campus life. Sports, arts, and entertainment. All this provided to you in one convenient location. One podcast. The Viterbo Lumen Podcast with Mitchell Shaw starts right now. And welcome to the first ever episode of the Viterbo Lumen Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Shaw, assistant editor to the Lumen newspaper. And with me today is my co-host. Hello there. I'm Tommy Krobe, the campus life editor for the Viterbo Lumen newspaper. And I am so very honored to be here with you tonight, Mitchell. Well, it's my honor, Mr. President, oh my goodness. president of the SGA. Well. You know, it's important to, to make a checklist of all those things. So what is the Viterbo Lumen podcast? This podcast is to keep those interested in the Viterbo Lumen and Viterbo University and itself updated to what's going on. We also have a special guest each uh, episode to talk about one of the topics on our list. And we'll start by talking about what we wrote about this week. So let's transition. All right, Viterbo, here are your highlights from the Lumen newspaper. Up first, we have campus life. Mr. President, if you would, do the honor. Definitely. So this first article is written by Jamie Curtis, and it's called Viterbo, A History with the FSPA. So kind of the gist of it is, on October 6th, Viterbo and the D.B. Reinhardt Institute partnered with the Franciscan Sisters of Perpetual Adoration, the FSPA, to present a history of the FSPA and Viterbo. So this is really a great article to check out for all you FSPA fans and history buffs out there. I know uh, there's a lot of you out there, so definitely a good read. It's truly an article to deepen your appreciation for our campus and our neighbors, the Franciscan Sisters. You know, Tommy, that really speaks to me. I am the biggest FSPA fan and a mm -hmm. huge history buff. I'm definitely going to check that out. Yeah, well, you have all their merchandise, right? I do. I do. T-shirts, flags, a coffee cup. <laughs> of course. It's your favorite one. Yep. Oh, definitely. Every morning. Every morning. I mean, it's just part of my routine. I have to have my coffee and my FSPA mug. Oh, absolutely. And the, the sisters are so important to all of Viterbo's history. And so it's really great that they take these opportunities to teach all the new students about just how important they all are. I mean, most of these buildings give all of these buildings would not even be here if not for them. Tommy, they are the best neighbors you could ask for. <laughs> What's the next article? So the next article was one that I wrote. Called, what? I know, right? He writes too. <laughs> I, try, I try. I certainly try. Uh, I titled this one A Familiar Campus in the Foreign World of COVID-19. Sounds like a boring read. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. What is it about, Tommy? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked. Um, so I wanted to write an article based on the changes, how students are adapting to this brand new way of life. In case you haven't noticed, uh, things look a little different this year at Viterbo than they have in years past on account of COVID-19. And so I got a great opportunity to have a little conversation with one Jared Wilson. 
a wonderful student here at Viterbo. He's a psych major. He's also an RA over in uh, the Canticle Apartments. Great guy. Great guy. Great guy. Great all. He does it all. And uh, he's also definitely been putting his whole heart into keeping communications live between him and his friends during COVID-19. He's talking about the difficulties that, uh, that because of social distancing, how hard it is to meet with people nowadays and and uh, just trying to find ways to eat dinner with each other and how much he misses those large family meals we'd have at the calf every night. Uh, I think that was one of his, uh, uh, one of the things he misses the most about pre-COVID-19, which I think a lot of us can relate to. Oh, how we miss those beautiful get-together dinners with the entire student body where you could be having a nice meal and hear the music majors, the music theater majors from the other end of the calf, no matter how... <laughs> Loud you are, you always hear them. And we can say that because we're music theater majors. Yeah. But uh, it's definitely missed. But uh, Tommy, why should we read it? I struggle with reading, so why should I take on the challenge? It, it, reading is hard. It is. It's a difficult skill to maintain, uh, especially as a music theater major. I think it's a good read because it's a great conversation with Jared, and it's really interesting to read about how a fellow peer is um, flourishing during these times, even when things are so difficult. Uh, it's great to get another perspective and to know that there's somebody else out there that is struggling as well and maybe hear what they're doing to make things in their life better despite all odds. Wonderful. Now on the sports. First up, we have the new weight room for Viterbo Athletics by Maurice Savage. Uh, here's an excerpt from it. He says... The renovation plan was in danger of being scrapped due to the lack of funds on the school's side. This ended up working in their favor as they would have to properly distance the machines in order to side with the CDC guidelines. Isn't that interesting? They went from uh, a 900-foot plan, or the, the, right now it is 900 square feet, to I believe 1,200 square feet of wow. gym space. They have uh, you know weights in the weight room, and then they have treadmills and everything spread about so that people can socially distance, be more healthy when they go to work out. And honestly, I'm just glad to have a gym open on campus and be able to use that. And I was worried about that with COVID. Oh, absolutely. I didn't think there was a chance that uh, that the Matthew Center would be able to stay open because of everything going around right now. But they sure did a terrific job finding a way to maneuver around those obstacles. And I guess you can probably speak to... Uh, the credit of that more than I can. I'm going to assume you frequent the gym a lot more than I do. I'm surprised I'm not there then right now, honestly. Right. I barely see you anymore. Any any time spent out of the gym is time I could have spent gaining, making gains. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. But since uh, they did close down for that one week when we had that spike of cases uh, on UWL side, kind of within lacrosse, and they shut down the gym, I've been going back, and there is barely anyone there taking advantage of the, this wonderful facility we have. Really? So, listeners, make a reservation. Get back out there, you know? we got Thanksgiving coming up. we got to get in our best shape so that we can eat a lot and get in our worst shape. <laughs> Next up, we have COVID's Effects on Viterbo Athletics, also by our a sports reporter, Maurice Savage. He says... The athletic department was in a tight spot when students were sent home in mid-March because, like everyone else, they had no idea what the future would hold. 
The Turbo's athletic director breaks down how he and the student athletic department made the adjustment to safely bring student athletes back and have them competing again. I think this is a really interesting article for anybody, whether they're a part of the, uh, the Turbo Athletics that we have, the, the sports teams we have on campus, to just people who love to frequent the events. You know, I think that's one of the things I really miss from years prior is we could go to basketball games, volleyball games, be a part of those. Mm-hmm. I was concerned a lot for Viterbo Athletics. I don't know about you. Oh, definitely. And that's something that I was so curious about uh, for the weeks leading up to moving back onto campus was, well, we have such a big amount of athletes here. I think half of the Viterbo students participate in athletics. Uh, it's a huge program. So I was really worried that we were going to lose that side of our school. But I mean, yeah, they found a way to, to do it. And I think that's absolutely brilliant. Definitely an article to check out. I know a lot of students are here just based on their athletic scholarships and being a part of athletics, and it just means so much to them. So what a great article to be able to check out. Again, all of these articles are available at uh, viterbo.lumen.edu, so feel free to look them up and read them yourself. I definitely encourage that. And with that, we're on to art and entertainment. Take it away, Tommy. All righty. So the first article in our arts and entertainment section this week around is written by Hope Huffman. That is COVID-19, a new musical by Miss Rona Virus. I think I've heard of her. Yeah, a new upcoming artist, if, I, uh, if I've heard correctly. She's really bad, I heard, actually. Oh, really? Yes. Um, I guess I'll have to skip some of her uh, original cast albums then. <laughs> <laughs> so students attending classes at the Fine Arts Center are willing to do whatever it takes to keep each other safe. Their need to be on the stage, whether they are dancers, stage managers, singers, actors, scenery wizards, or a little bit of each, far exceeds their discomfort and fears stemming from the COVID-19 pandemic. So this article answers that question of how do you act with a mask on? A question we performance majors get all the time. All the time. Never ends. Never ends. Uh, Huffman does a lovely job of placing you into the new reality of those in the theater and music theater department. I don't want to spoil the article by going into the challenges that, you know, we, we discussed the athletes. Now we're going to discuss the real athletes, the theater students <laughs> that have to dance, sing, act, and just overall perform. Even the music majors, too, I think, have a really difficult time with the new CDC guidelines with social distancing. I mean, with, with uh, the plays we're a part of in Limbo, in particular Tommy's directing, having to deal with the challenges of being safe while doing what we love. Oh, absolutely. I, I for one, have a slew of all sorts of different masks that I'll use. Uh, I'll have a certain mask that I bring to dance class, and I'll have a certain mask I bring to, uh, to my music theater scenes class. Um, it's just another layer added on top of our preparation, which is not something we asked for, certainly. Yep, dance bag, yoga mat. Even the yoga mats, uh, you know, people, I get that question all the time. Why are music theater majors walking around with yoga mats? Mm-hmm. It's so that when we... When we have to do things on the floor, we have a protective barrier to keep our germs from being on the floor. There is certainly a lot of sanitizing, and yeah, these masks are uh, definitely a big adjustment. I guess we're all getting a little more used to them now. But um... Well, there you go. That answers your question. Now, listeners, you don't have to ask us anymore what it's <laughs> like being a performer during these times, because you, now you have a wonderful article, and you just had you know, a wonderful uh, conversation between Tommy and I, so there you go check 
Absolutely. And I am very excited about this uh, next article because it sort of leads into the interview we'll be doing later. And it was also written by one of my favorite people here on campus, Mitchell Shaw. Oh, I thought you were going to say Glenna Temple. <laughs> she is also one of my favorites, but she did not write this this article in question. Now, this article was written by the magnificent Mr. Uh, Shaw, and it is titled Student Theater Initiatives. That is not the title yet. Uh, you know, uh, this, we're recording this on Sunday night, uh, and I plan to, to slam it out right after this. But basically, the article uh, informs students what the theater department is doing right now. You know, since we can't have a full stage musical indoors with a packed house like we always have, we always attract the biggest crowds, the biggest crowds you've ever seen. They can barely even close the doors. Anyway, enough about me. These uh, projects were put on by the theater department to allow students to continue to be creative, to continue to pursue what they love to do without uh, any help, really. I mean, they have uh, faculty that they can consult with, but it's student-directed, student-built. The costumes are designed and sets designed by students and built by students. It's amazing. And basically, it comes down to we have Julius Caesar by... William Shakespeare himself. Mm-hmm. It's a completely pro- collaborative thing. Uh, you can go into the, the, you know, the article says it all. But uh, we also have sp- uh, selections from Spring Awakening going on, directed That's by right. Katie Walt, a sophomore. We have In Limbo, an original play written by Fifi Rodriguez. You'll get to hear from her later. And uh, directed by Tommy Crowe, if I'm not mistaken. And starring the magnificent Mitchell Shaw. Oh, not to be forgotten there. As the alcoholic Victor Allen. So, you know, don't get your hopes up. Uh, <laughs> he's a good character. Very well written. Um, and then finally... What's the last one? The World Hereafter. The World Hereafter. The biggest <laughs> the biggest web series to ever come... The only web series to ever come out of a turbo. <laughs> I'm actually a writer for it, so I really should have remembered it right away. But uh, it's very exciting. That one is really interesting. It's a fantasy web series that is created by, it was created by Grant Barkley, and it's written collaboratively with different Viterbo students. It's uh, animated by Viterbo students. It's even engineered, sound engineered by Viterbo students. Definitely very interesting to check out, and all of this will be available in the article that is going to be written tonight, and by the time you hear this podcast, will be available for everybody. Man, I am very excited to read all about all of these initiatives in this article. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you were telling me that this article is going to be upwards of 40 pages long, right? Because you're really going to be diving deep into all these different projects. And I'm <laughs> I was just telling Tommy this. Uh, I, you know, we 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 have to we can't have in-person interviews anymore. So I sent out emails thinking maybe only one or two, maybe four people would reach back. Everybody reached back. So <laughs> I have pages upon pages of quotes to go through and, and pull from. So it's going to be a big one. It's a, definitely a featured article, and uh, it is actually the topic of today. But before we get into that, I want to talk about everyone's favorite part of the, the, the Lumen newspaper, the Lemon section. For new listeners, the Lemon section is our satirical article that is written every week. And the best ones are always written by Thomas Krobe. And this is one of those weeks where we have a special edition of the Lemon. Tommy, tell us about... <laughs> I, I, let me see if I pronounce this correctly. Tell us about Borglagob 477 and his trusty meat grinder. What is this all about? 
Yeah, so this is a really exciting article titled New Initiatives Mean New Calf Options. So basically, uh, as Mitchell and I are both um, executive members of our student government association, and, and so we do all of the funding for our clubs. And so uh, basically this article is about one of our fellow peers, uh, an international student known as Borg Lagab 477, and they started this club called the Intergalactic Peace Club, I believe, uh, to promote uh, peace within the entire universe. So obviously a very, you know, very in line with Viterbo's core values, uh, ex far exceeding world peace. We're going universe-wide. And uh, Borg Lagab 477 isn't very specific on exactly what they plan on doing. Uh, all we know is that the student government uh, officially gave them funding so that they could buy a, a very large um, industrial meat grinder for the calf. And um, one of Borg Lagab 477's uh, favorite things is bringing all sorts of different students that are performing low in their classes, uh, getting an average lower than a C. Uh, this lovely student introduces them to the meat grinder, um, brings them a brilliant community service option, and I, I don't know much about what goes on in the meat grinder, but all I know is these students are making some sort of brand new meal for all of us to eat. And according to uh, Mr. 477, they never perform poorly on a test ever again. Yeah, and I heard it tastes like chicken. Yeah, from uh, Yeah, so. you know, I do have class with Mr. Borglagot. Do you? Yes, he's a little shy, a little shy, you know. Certainly. Really nice kid, though. Yeah, that's what I've heard. It's a great read. Very funny. Uh, it definitely lines, like Kami said, to our core values. It's almost as good as last year's when the FSPA built a rocket to Mars. I don't know if you read that one, Tommy, but that was groundbreaking reporting. That was one of my favorites. Um, who wrote that one? John Mulaney? Something like that. Uh, just, I don't know. Uh, Bill Burr comes to mind. Yeah, it was one of the great comedic minds of our generation. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, well, one, one to go into the archives for. But this one is definitely worth a read. Very funny stuff. We're going to take a break. But when we come back, we have a very special guest here to talk about In Limbo, one of the student theater initiative projects going on here at Viterbo. So stay tuned, get a glass of water, and listen to this message. Welcome back to the Lumens Podcast. We are joined now by Fifi Rodriguez, a theater design student who is currently producing a play that she wrote. Thanks for joining us, Fifi. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Yeah, it's really good to have you on. We're really, really excited to talk to you today about your play, In Limbo. So you wrote this play, In Limbo, um, so without spoiling anything, uh, what is this play all about? What are we defining as spoilers? Because some, something that would normally be defined as a spoiler is a character dying, but that happens within the first 15 minutes of the <laughs> yeah. show, and everything that follows flows yeah, from just, that. So, oh, I was going to say, it's just that so we don't get in trouble. We don't, we don't want to spoil too much. Uh, Tommy and I obviously know... Uh, a lot about it from being in it, but we want to hear your your definition of it without uh, getting us in trouble for spoiling it for other people. So, In Limbo is is about six very different people um, whose lives are just 
totally changed by one of the people closest to them dying and they have to reassess their relationships and make sense of their relationship with him and figure out what their future is going to be now that this life-changing thing has happened. Totally. So what inspired you to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to write a play. What, uh, what brought that about? Like this specific play or just playwriting in uh, this general? This specific play. Were you just sitting on the couch one day this and you were like, you know, you know, I don't really have much going on. It's kind of raining outside. What if I just sit down for like nine hours and buff out the play? Is that kind of what you were like or what, what, uh, what inspired you to really take up the pen, I guess? Well, I've always, I've always liked writing and I've always liked theater. So playwriting seemed kind of a natural thing to me. I had just been looking for a really good story that I wanted to execute. And then with, with this specific story, um, In Limbo has had a long process because I, freshman year, I knew like a general theme that I wanted to write about and I had characters in my head and I ended up taking those and writing a show with a completely different plot that did not quite work. And so I gave up on that after a draft or two but the characters just would not leave my head. Oh, that's really so. This is your second attempt of writing in limbo, or just just using the characters again. I don't know really how to classify that previous version of the story. It's like sort of the first draft, but also not because it's a totally different story. Um, it is, it is the ancestor of it was, the show uh, that we currently in limbo. Have. In limbo, if you will. <laughs> so once this play in limbo makes it big, do you think we're ever gonna and we're ever gonna see this original story with these characters, or is that kind of uh, long gone into the past? Well, the original story didn't really work, to be honest. Not much happened in it, um, so I don't think we're gonna be seeing that. But there are definitely concepts from that version of the show that I do really want to execute sometime. Absolutely. So as part of the process of you writing this play, you talked a lot about this trial and error, this getting the characters, not exactly knowing where to put them. So uh, what, what else was the process like for you in putting this whole entire script together? So, all right. So after I had rediscovered my characters and realized that I needed to keep writing something with them, um, I wrote my first version of the script, and then I had, I had Amy Jurgensen, who is an alum, she was currently a student at the time, read it over for me and give it, give it some feedback. Then I had my first reading of the show at the end of my sophomore year. And then last year, I was planning on putting together either a staged reading or a student production of it. And then life happened. Um, life being A, I ended up taking spring semester off and B, COVID happened, which would have dashed whatever plans I had anyways. Yeah, <laughs> I think uh, a lot of our listeners can relate to not getting any, uh, any, any interesting plans <laughs> this uh, summer with you know COVID and whatnot. But I'm really glad that it didn't stop yeah, the dream of the of the show. So did did it ever did you ever really put it down this summer or did you it did COVID just kind of slow the process for you? Um, I mean after my reading sophomore year, 
that summer I did some edits and then it was just kind of sitting around on my computer until this this past summer like around July I want to say I had a reading for the revised version so it's definitely been an off and on process yeah well after all this time it's got to be really exciting to know you're gonna see this play finally on the stage right can you tell us a little bit about the anticipation of finally getting to see this work of yours come to life that's been a goal of mine for my college experience is I was like I want to write a show and I want to see it produced I don't care if that's like during my school year, I don't care if that's over the summer, I want this thing to happen. So the fact that I came up with this my freshman year and it is happening my senior year is I think um, poetic Beautifully in a poetic. way. Yeah, it's like a, your, your milestone, your, your uh, <laughs> pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. <laughs> yeah, so it's accomplishing something that I've wanted for a really long time. And that's, that's exciting. Yeah, and it's really exciting Good. to be a part of it, too. I don't know if I, I'm speaking for Tommy, too, but just to, you know, we're always kind of wondering in the, in rehearsals and stuff, we're like, are, is, is Fifi feeling fulfilled right now, or is she in, in remorse <laughs> and dread for watching us kill her baby right in front of her? No, I'm, I'm very happy, because, yeah, the thing is, art is meant to be shared, and... You know, you can write a lot of stuff and just have it sitting in a file on your computer or in your notebook. Um, it can be hard to get stuff out there. So it's really good to have a platform to get my work out there and get an audience looking at it. Because, yeah, I, I write because I want to share things with people. Yeah. And, uh Student Theater Initiative Project, uh, STI for short. I don't know if they really thought through that name too well, but uh, <laughs> do you feel like like that kind of helped green light this process for you, kind of uh, spark it, you know? Yes. Um, we have had student productions previously at Viterbo, but a problem with them was always just that since we have our other official productions happening at the same time, People are really strapped for time and the university is strapped for resources and people just aren't able to give it the same amount of focus. Um, so this has been a really great opportunity because, yeah, A, the actors don't have anything else to no, do, so they're very <laughs> eager to be a part of something. Um, the, yeah, and there just aren't as many other things competing for resources and people and energy and everything. Awesome. Definitely. So I think a really interesting part of this process for you and putting this show uh, in front of people to finally see for the first time ever is that you decided to find somebody else to direct your play. So what was the decision going into this uh, all about? Where did, where did that come from? And why did you want to see somebody else do it and not just do it yourself? Part of it is I have never directed anything. And I don't know that I, at least at this point in my career, I don't really have any confidence in my ability to direct things because there, there is so much you have to think about when you were the director. And I'm sure you know this, Tommy. Yeah. You sort of dodged the question I wrote, didn't you, Tommy? Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. I'll read it. So yeah, part of it was that I just don't 
feel like at this stage in my life, I have the know-how to be a director. And part of it also is that, part of it also is that theater is about collaborating with people and it's about taking a work and seeing what other people can contribute to it. So I didn't want it to just be my ideas up on stage. I wanted it to be an interpretive collaborative process. You didn't want process. the playbill to read written, directed, produced, costumed uh, <laughs> by uh, Sophie Rodriguez. You no. didn't want all those credits uh, given to you. No, I I have no interest in being Lin Manuel Miranda. <laughs> uh, I don't think we. I don't think any of us do. <laughs> that guy seems pretty stressed out. Um, so I guess. Uh, I should. I'll ask the uh, the second part of that question, uh, <laughs> as it was required of me to uh, to read. Uh, what made you think Tommy Crow was a good choice for your director? Seriously, <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> I wrote the questions. If you couldn't tell, <laughs> what was I thinking? Seriously, um, I'm trying to remember what the exact process for that was. I know that I had sort of sent out feelers. Um, in our, we have a department um, Facebook page. I sent out some feelers to see if anyone was interested in directing. Um, and I know that you had expressed interest in it. And I know that you have had directing experience in the past. Mm -hmm. So part of it was just a matter of me knowing that you're interested. Um, part of it was also, um, I don't know if Tommy mentioned this, but he was part of that second reading that I had over the oh. summer. And so he was already familiar with the material. Um, he was already really excited to be working with me in that capacity. So it just seemed like it just seemed like a natural what, next what step. What part did you read, Tommy, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, I was reading for Seth Clay this oh. time around. You are you are no Seth Clay. I've seen you on the weekends. You're much more of a Victor, if you ask me. But, uh, <laughs> no, we're just kidding. Yeah, I believe the person that was originally supposed to read for Seth Clay that ended up not being able to make it for that read through is who we ended up casting in the current production. So kind of an exciting little behind the scenes tidbit, I suppose. There. That is what this podcast is for. I, let me tell you. Yeah. Well, I think you left it in good hands, Fifi. You got a good director. Oh he's well. he's a lot of fun. I oh, think so well, too. I hear he's doing his best, and he's having a really good time doing it. <laughs> and he is very honored to be a part of the process as well. Wait till you see all the new scenes I added. So, does the cast you chose align with how you picture these characters when you were writing them? That is a dangerous <laughs> question to Tread ask lightly. somebody. <laughs> they might be listening. <laughs> Who decided that was an okay question to ask? I think I think what what the question really is asking is like you know when you read a book when you're when you're writing something you kind of have these like pictures of like what people are going to look like how they're going to walk and talk and, and behave and we're just kind of curious if if uh it, the cast you have is completely different than your original thought or if they're pretty close. Yeah, you don't have to tell us who specifically. Right. Know? It's pretty different, but I think that's oh. good. That's very interesting. Is that enough of an answer? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just it's just the three of us here. You know, you, you could give us as much uh, juicy information if you want. Well, I imagine Victor completely different. I, I think you were cast all wrong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> it 
it's a little bit different than how I walk and talk and behave, but that's the beauty of theater is not being exactly to what you are. And, you know, I'm excited to see what we finally land on, but I think it's just interesting that it's a different cast than what you pictured. I think that's always something fun to... Yeah, that's that's really fascinating. But yeah, I mean, that's that's another thing about about theater is you got to write something that has the capability of being performed by potentially hundreds of different people. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't get too attached to the visions that I have in my head of the character. As long as the personality is correct, um, nothing else really matters. Absolutely. Well, I think that's a brilliant response. See, that wasn't that bad, was it? Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I guess the last sort of big question I have for you is most importantly, how can our listeners of the podcast experience this play? You know, you know given that COVID-19 does not allow for a packed house, unfortunately. So we're doing something a little interesting. We're performing the show inside the Viterbo Black Box to an empty audience. We're going to film that performance, process the footage, and then put it up on YouTube. We're going to set it as a premiere for a live stream so that we can all Tune in and watch it at the same time. That'll be on November 20th in the evening, about 7.30. I think I'm busy that weekend. And then, <laughs> and then the show will be available for, for viewers to watch whenever they'd like that weekend. Um, so it's going to be unlisted, which mm. means that it's only accessible to people that have a link to the video. So email me to get that link. The email is going to be on our poster, so people will be able to access it. And then once that, once that weekend is over, it's timed out. You can never see it again, right? At this moment, yeah. It's, it's a matter of a couple things. First of all, we, we want to create as close to an experience of being in a theater as possible. So, you know, that's how it is in live theater. The show runs for however many nights it runs and then it's done and it's finite. And also it's a matter of protecting my intellectual property mm -hmm. because this is my first show and I might want to do something else with it later. So hop on it now, listeners. You know, you, you got the, <laughs> this is coming out on, on Wednesday. They have about a month to, to email you and get on, get on that train. Very exclusive. Mm -hmm. Very, very exclusive. <laughs> and it's a good show. And, and I think that anybody listening to this should feel inspired to go see it. Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, it covers all sorts of themes that uh, all of us have to deal with at one point or another. It's all part of growing up is, is uh, dealing with death and experiencing how that affects you personally. And in this show, you get to see six different perspectives on that, on that one uh, uh, harrowing and difficult experience. So... Definitely something anyone can gain something from, I think. Yeah, it, it is not all doom and gloom, <laughs> dear listeners. There, there are quite a few jokes mm -hmm. in there, um, even though the topic we're dealing with is pretty heavy. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, in the time that we live in right now, um, grief is something that pretty much everyone is familiar with, so... I think it's helpful to have conversations like this. Awesome. Well, before we move on to the next uh, segment, are there any other thoughts you'd like to leave our listeners with? Any? Would you like to try to sell them a ticket with one line? I don't know. Anything you want to say right now? It's your 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 stage. 
I guess one more thing I would say is that an advantage of doing a show online is that you don't have to be in the lacrosse area to watch it. If you know someone who's might be interest, who might be interested, or if you are interested and you're not within driving distance of lacrosse, you can still contact one of us, get that link, and be part of this theatrical experience. So that's the great thing. Beautifully sold, Fifi. Couldn't have said it better than myself, though I would have tried. Um, <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, before we uh, move on, we're going to quick take a little break, refresh the Zoom link, maybe hear a word from our sponsor, and then uh, we'll be right back with the Lumen Podcast. And we're back with Miss Fifi Rodriguez, writer and creator of In Limbo. We're going to play a little game here with uh, Tommy and Fifi, a, very, a game I'm very excited about. We all are on apps nowadays for dating, you know, the left swipe, the right swipe. So this is a game I like to call left swipe, right swipe, or DM. I'm going to give you both three characters from the show, and you're going to tell me left swipe, right swipe, or DM, and you're going to assign it to each character. You got it? <laughs> are we ready to play? It's been a long time since I've used Tinder. Right is when you like them, right? Right is when you like them. Left is when you do not like them. And DM means it's going to be serious. Okay. But there's a catch. You ready for the catch? Oh, boy. When you uh, assign the DM to somebody, you have to tell us what message you're going to send to this character. <laughs> all righty. All right, all right, all right. Elizabeth, Victor, and... You're killing me here. Jude. Fifi, we'll start with you. Oh gosh, this is hard. Elizabeth, I might swipe right on. I oh, think I'm going to regret it, but I might do it. Okay, right swipe for Elizabeth. She, she probably takes good pictures. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Makes up for how eccentric she can be. All right, who's that left swipe going to? Left swipe, um, I guess, is going to Victor. Oh. I feel like he is. I feel like he's the kind of person that would pose with a fish in his profile picture, and that's an instant turnoff. Oh yeah, definitely a fish. Definitely a shirtless, uh, you know, shirtless top picture. Not a really impressive top. Probably with a beer belly. You know, he does a lot of drinking in the show. So, <laughs> I, I, you, when you say that, I totally understand your response. Who's that DM going to? I guess that leaves Jude for the DM. Okay. Um, what, what would you I tell say? her? I mean, it would probably depend on what she had in her bio. Like, I would probably respond to something in her bio that we had in common. What do you think that would be? Yeah, well, be like, hey, we're both yeah, Jews. That's good. So what, what, what would be your opening line? Um... hard i'm not on dating apps i i mean i just said hey we're both jews hey. with finger guns um that's not the that best opening me. line mm -hmm. but it's all i can think of common interests listeners is the best way to start a conversation on a dating app like this you heard it here you heard it from fifi rodriguez herself <laughs> the expert of love tell me what are your pick what would be your picks for uh jude victor and Elizabeth. 
Oh, man, this is tough. Hmm. Elizabeth kind of scares me. I'm going to be completely honest. <laughs> um, she's a little too ingrained in this scary world of poetry and... Um, and she doesn't necessarily have all of her emotions uh, in line, so she might be getting the left swipe here. Really? She might be getting the left swipe. I think Victor's the kind of guy I would, you know, I'd be like, okay, I'll give you the right swipe. I don't know if I'm necessarily going to start the conversation, though. Oh, here. gotcha. I, I might wait to see if Victor reaches out to me. Knowing Victor, he's going to go in guns blazing. He's going to, yeah, he's <laughs> going to so say some stuff that's going to... He's, it's going to embarrass him more than you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I look for on these, on these apps, of course. So that means the direct message is going to Jude. It's also going to Jude. I, I wouldn't have expected that myself, but, I mean, hey, she has a career. She's very intelligent. Uh, and I feel like uh, we have a lot to teach each other. You know what I mean? Huh. Well. Yeah, that is true. She is a professional. She's got her act together. Yes, Do you agree with her, with uh, Tommy's choices, Fifi? Sure, yeah. Okay, are you ready for something completely different? Because I'm going to left swipe Jude right away. She's boring. She's just going to talk <laughs> about books. She's going to judge my decisions. Oh, boy. There's no, there's no way we're going to get along. There's just no way. I would right swipe Elizabeth. She seems fun. Like uh, Fifi said, she probably, you know, has a really great presence on this dating site. She's probably... Has some uh, tasteful photos. But my direct message then would go to Victor. I think Victor is a cool guy. I think he's a great conversationalist. Handsome. And he knows how to party. And let me tell you, he's got a mug that is incomparable. He's a handsome guy. He's got nice hair. A good per He knows how to cook. Maybe not in the show, but like in real <laughs> Okay. I gotta separate myself You're just from the character. About yourself now. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's where it's going. <laughs> okay, Tommy, you, your turn. You you give us uh, three three characters. Oh, okay. Um, I'm gonna give you guys Seth, Daya, and Sophie. Okay, Seth, Daya. Wait, what was the third one? Seth, Daya, and Sophie. Sophie's a child. So let's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we didn't think that through. <laughs> Wait, uh, who's the? Who am I missing? Seth, Daya, Masha. Masha, Seth, Daya, and Masha. Seth, Daya, and Masha. Okay. Are you fielding this one first, Mitchell? You want me to field it first? Let's go for it. Okay, okay. Seth, Daya, and Masha. Seth's an athlete. He's a nice guy. Very friendly. Very good person. Masha. Musician. Everyone loves a musician. He's a good guy. He's got good morals. He's been through a lot. He needs somebody to love. Daya. She's she's a good person, good morals. She gets kind of in the way, makes some drama, don't want to spoil anything. Oh, this is a tough decision. These are three good candidates. But uh, I'm going to have to left swipe... Masha, unfortunately. It's oh. a really difficult decision for me. Very, very tough. I would right swipe Seth because Seth's a great guy. He's a good person to go have a beer with, have a drink with, you know, get to know, be real chummy. But my direct message is going to, 
to Daya. I just, uh, I'm in love with Daya. She's gorgeous in every way. You know, she's a good person. I probably, oh, I'm in my opening line. My opening line would be, you up? I don't know. Wow, that's <laughs> Something subtle, something smooth, you know. Sets the tone. Creative. I don't know, Fifi? Beautiful, romantic declaration. You up. <laughs> yeah, it says it all. It really does, you know. It, it, I, don't, <laughs> I don't, like you, Fifi, I don't go on these uh, apps very often, so I'm, I'm, maybe my game is a little dry, too. You're right. I think I would left swipe on Seth. Um, really? That's a hot take. Seth is a little cocky. Um, and I think that that would come across in his bio. That's Plus, right. he seems like the kind of guy that would have like six feet since I guess it matters. <laughs> Man, you know these characters really well. Have you met him? <laughs> Do you know them pretty well? Um, and then I would definitely right swipe on Daya. Because she pretty. She is pretty. Um, and then I guess that leaves my DM going to Masha. Oh. So I was, it was really hard for me to decide between the two of them. I agree. But I think I would be more likely. To, I think I'd be more likely to DM Masha just because he seems a little less threatening than Daya. Like, Daya is the kind of cool person that you're like, ah, I can't talk to them. <laughs> um, whereas Masha is not. Um, and I think... I think my opening line would just be, hey there, with a winky face. Smooth. See, subtle, romantic, leaves room for interpretation, but not too direct. I love it. I love it a lot. Brilliant. Tommy. You know, I think I would also left swipe on Seth Clay. I, I, you know, I agree he's a little arrogant, and I think it would get a little... Be a little overbearing for me personally. It's called confidence. Okay, continue. It's, it's, it's something that I lack so much of. I don't know if I could, uh, you know, I get jealous of him. I get jealous of him. Um, let's see here. Uh, man, I want to say I would right swipe Masha, but I feel like Masha would never reach out to me. Is the problem? You know? Oh yeah, you're you're two very nice guys. There would be nothing said. There would just be. The concept wall. of Masha even being on a dating app is suspending my disbelief a little bit. <laughs> you don't think he would even be on the app, huh? Maybe maybe someone would make a profile for him as a joke, but I don't think he would do it himself. This fictitious app, we wouldn't even see him on it. So that leaves your direct message to Daya. I guess so. I guess, I guess I'm messaging Daya. So now we're in competition here. That's right. So I have to send at least three words now just to one-up you. Oh. Are you up? Question mark. <laughs> Very formal. <laughs> That's the most formal way to do it, I think. It's just I'm a gentleman. Right, I right. I want to see, you know, how you doing? You know? How you doing? Are you? Are you up? In, in many interpretations, truly. Well, that was wonderful. That was left, right, or DM. Thank you all for playing, and uh, I'd like to give a big thank you to Miss Fifi Rodriguez for being with us today. It's just a bit, it was a pleasure to, to talk with you and and be have you be part of our first episode. You, I mean, you must feel just honored to be to be that guest. I, I truly do. Is uh, let me just plug one more time. In Limbo coming out uh, November twentieth on stream. 
you better find that poster. You better email Fifi because this is a play you cannot miss. Yeah, that was great. I, I think we nailed it. I really do. Oh, you know, another big thank you to Fifi for being here today and helping us really christen this this podcast series. I encourage you all, of course, to visit the lumen.viterbo.edu website and read all those wonderful articles. Thank you to the writers. Tommy, what is your closing remark? Uh, man, I don't know. I guess uh, I'm, I'm excited to hear what students have to say about our student-written articles. And uh, before we disappear, just got to remind everyone to make sure they vote in this upcoming election. Yes. Thank you for bringing that up. We definitely need to get out there, get registered, we, we, we cannot be silenced. We have to have a voice in this election, and it's very important to get registered and to be at the polls in November. we got to exercise that democratic right. Even if you don't know who you're going to vote for, just show up and do it and uh, let, let our country know that you want to be heard. It's all about being a good role model. And if there's anything the Turbo V-Hawks know to do, it's to be a good role model. And that is the note we'll leave you here on tonight. Thank you, Tommy Crow, for being my co-host today. Well, thank you, Mitchell Shaw, for having me with you to talk about these wonderful articles. And as Tommy's elementary principal used to always say, make it a great day or not. The choice is yours, Viterbo.